Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Welcome to the podcast this week. Hope you've had an opportunity to get out and work with your dog. Hope you've had some good weather. And I hope that you are having a great week so far. If you are a new listener here, I just want to thank you. Thanks for joining us. I hope you've had an opportunity to listen to some past episodes. And I hope that you are getting a lot of information from it. If you have been listening from the get-go, I just want to say I appreciate you. And I hope you've had an opportunity to check out our Patreon page where you can support the podcast. Uh, If you cannot support the podcast monetarily, that is completely okay. We still appreciate you and we still want you listening. What you can do for us is you can share our podcast with family and friends as well as leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps us reach new listeners. And if you know me, I want to educate as many people as I possibly can. So if you can help me out, I would appreciate that. You can check us out on all social media sites as well as our Patreon. Uh, The links are in the show notes. And I just want to say I appreciate you guys very much. We're just going to jump right into it this week. We are going to be talking about the different myths that you find in dog training. Uh, And, you know, there are a lot of things that I talk about with my clients and, you know, they get confused because they've grown up understanding certain things or expecting certain things with their dogs. And so uh, I just want to talk about a few of those today uh, to help you understand a little bit more about your dog. Um, And the first thing I want to talk about is positive training. You know, positive training is finally really coming out and more and more people are understanding that the use of aversive training techniques are inappropriate. They're harmful to the dog. And I think that they're starting to really understand that scientifically uh, positive training works uh, and it works so much better. 
But the one thing that I hear a lot of is that when you have a dog who is aggressive, you can't use positive techniques. Uh, and I really have a problem with that because typically when dogs are aggressive, it's usually fear-based. Um, and if it's not fear-based, then there's probably something else going on chemically. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about dealing with aggressive behavior, we have to make sure we look at the dog as a whole and not just the uh, external behavior that you're seeing. When people want to use aversive techniques with dogs that are showing aggression, uh, what they end up getting is a dog who suppresses the behavior, basically hides how they're feeling until it's too late. Uh, so when dogs are showing things like growling, snarling, staring you down, showing stress, they are giving warning signs. Those warning signs are very important so that our dog does not lash out and cause damage with someone. Okay, so if we use aversive techniques, the aversive techniques so many times, trainers that use aversive techniques are basically using it to stop the external show of aggression. They're not fixing the behavior inside. They're not fixing that emotional. And when they take away that warning, that means there's no fuse. Um, or you can't see the fuse. And the explosion is still going to happen, and it's going to happen a lot larger, and it's going to be much more dangerous. So when you, if somebody tells you that you can't use positive techniques with an aggressive dog, you need to run. That means that they don't truly understand dogs and how they work, uh, how they learn, and what that behavior looks like. Uh, you can, you just want to stay away from those aversive techniques. Um, it's not about dominating a dog. It's not about showing them who's boss. Um, if you have anyone that tells you you need to show your dog that you're boss, that you're in charge, that you're the alpha, again, run. Because that is the next myth I want to talk about. Dogs do not uh, go around ex asserting their dominance. They don't look for somebody to assert their dominance, to see them as the leader. Uh, this is just crap. And, <laughs> and it really irritates me. Because one, I think that having a dominant temperament um, is appropriate for some people. Uh, for me, having a dominant temperament is a dog that will take charge if need to. Just like a dominant temperament person, they're a natural leader, whereas your submissive kind of temperament is more of a follower. Uh, dogs definitely need to know what those expectations are from the humans in their life, but it's not about being dominant. It's not about throwing them on their back, uh, showing them who's in charge, putting them in a calm, submissive state. All that is just crap, okay? Um, and I am being very generous and nice with my words because I did not put a warning on this one that it might have some adult content, which are the words that I would like to use when people say, oh, your dog is just trying to dominate you. You need to show your dog your alpha. You need to, you know, get in his face and show him. That is inappropriate. Um, and there are some trainers that still use that training technique. And that tells me that they really don't understand dogs, that they're just trying different techniques to hope and get results. Um, so please stay away from any type of training like that where you have to establish dominance to get your dog to listen because you're going to do nothing but ruin the relationship with your dog and teach them not to trust you. Uh, so being dominant, uh, that is a myth. Your dog is not trying to dominate you. Uh, your dog is simply doing what works, okay? Um, another thing about positive training, a lot of people believe that positive training means no discipline. And the fact of the matter is, is that 
consequences are a part of learning. It doesn't matter if it's a positive consequence or negative consequence. It's all a part of learning. But when we talk about consequences or punishment, uh, we need to make sure that we're not causing harm to the dog physically or emotionally, right? So that means we should not be doing anything that causes harm to your dog. And, you know, if you correct your dog with a choke chain and the dog doesn't yell or yelp and you think, oh, it's not hurting the dog. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if it is not hurting the dog, then it's not going to be working. If it's working, then it's actually causing pain in your dog, which is the whole point. Okay, so uh, do aversive techniques work? Absolutely. They will shut down a behavior. Think about it. If you touch a hot stove with your finger and you burn yourself, that's an aversive consequence, right? That is a, that's a punishment for touching that. But it doesn't do a whole lot for trusting on things like, oh, I don't know, is the stove hot or cold? Uh, so it's just one of those things that you want to try to stay away from. Uh, there's no reason for it. There's no point in screaming and yelling and hitting your dog and smacking your dog. Uh, there's You should not be doing things like alpha rolls, putting your dog on their back, uh, making them be calm. Uh, just because a dog looks calm on the outside when you do things like that does not mean that the dog is calm on the inside. And if the dog is super calm, it could be that the dog is just shut down because you're being aggressive towards the dog. So we really want to try to stay away from any type of um, harsh punishments. And sometimes that can be as simple as pretending to bite your dog using your fingers, doing alpha rolls, um, touching them or, you know, with your foot um, with a little bit of pressure, which guys, that's a kick. That's kicking the dog. Let's be real. Um, so, you know, let's just make sure that you're using positive techniques and you're truly understanding the dog. Um, always find a trainer who helps you to understand your dog as a relationship, not just teaching training techniques. Um, another one that I run into a lot is that when people think about positive training, they think that they will have to use treats for the rest of their life or that they have to depend on food. The funny thing is, is that uh, when we teach, we do not teach people to bribe using food. And we really try to help them understand how to use food appropriately. We're not dependent upon it, but we're going to use it to our advantage because food is a reward. And we are focused on rewards, but rewards can be anything. Um, I actually see more people that have used aversive techniques with training are also using more bribery where they have a treat in hand, lure the dog into a sit, lure the dog into a down, and then they never get away from having treats in hand. Uh, the way we teach, we absolutely do not teach bribery, and we teach our clients how to use food appropriately and to your advantage, as well as every other reward you can think about that your dog might like. Um, another one that I uh, want to kind of mention again, because I really do think that uh, this becomes a real issue, is that when dogs are um, showing some aggression issues, that they're automatically being dominant. And that's not the case. Um, it's usually a fear-based. And I know we just talked about a little bit of dominant behavior, but most aggression cases that I see with, you know, a dog in the house being aggressive towards someone in the family, a lot of times it's fear-based. And it's not a real aggressive issue. It's not that the dog just has wires crossed and innately are aggressive. It's usually there's 
a fear based behind it because the human was being a bully and trying to be confrontational and causing the dog to be fearful. So we have to be very careful. Um, even when you have pack, you know, packs of dogs or packs of whatever, um, you know, there's not typically one dog that's going to be in charge of everything. Uh, there's sometimes not even going to be two dogs in charge of everything. This is how I like to explain it. When you have multiple dogs in a household or multiple people in a household, even though you do have a dog that may have more say-so over the others, typically most dogs will pick and choose what's important to them. Uh, a lot of times your dogs in the house will pick their roles of saying one dog is in charge of space. So that dog, it's more important for that dog to pick the top space to, um, you know, hang out in, whether that's on a dog bed or a human bed or a rug. That dog just says, you know what, laying in this spot is very important to me. Well, most of the other dogs in the household, they're probably not finding that space that important. So for them, they're like, that's okay. That's not a big deal to me. I want to be in charge of play. And so what you end up getting is dogs that are in charge of different things. Typically, if I have one dog that a human says is my alpha in the household, then that tells me they're seeing bully behavior. And that dog is not really being the alpha. The dog is being a bully. When you look at alpha, you need to stay away from that term. Okay? It's not about uh, being in charge of everything. And dogs are not wolves. They are descendant from it. And they are so domesticated that things have changed. They do need a leader, but that leader is that 51% human who gets final say-so, who sets expectations, who teaches the rules, who communicates clearly, and, um, and is rock solid. In other words, that emotions are not up and down. One day you're not screaming about being on the couch. The next day you're laughing because they're on the couch. You know, that true leader is someone who is consistent and confident and sets those rules and, and is really constant. That's the big thing. It's that constants of you know what you can count for me you know what to get for me so you don't have to guess um, another one I want to talk about is that dogs know when they've done wrong this drives me crazy when people say you know I came home and my shoes were were chewed up and as soon as I walked in the door he knew he had done wrong because he he you know curled up into a ball or he walked away with his ears down whatever the case may be. Your dog does not know what is right and wrong. What your dog does know is uh, what behaviors get results. Um, if you have come home regularly and yelled at your dog for doing something, and this could be one or two times out of a week, then your dog is going to start uh, assuming that when you come home that you're going to yell at them. And even when the dog has not done anything, the dog is still going to cower away because of the association of you coming home. Imagine living in a household where four out of seven days of the week you came home, your housemate was in a really bad mood and started screaming at you for nothing. Even if it's three out of seven, imagine it. What would you slowly become when you came home? You would start coming in quiet You'd be a little more kind of in your own little world. You're probably tiptoeing on some eggshells because you don't know. All right, it's not that you've done anything wrong. 
And this is the same thing that happens with dogs. People say, oh, I came home and, and he was cowering. So I knew he did something wrong. He knew he did something wrong. So I looked around the house, but I didn't see anything. Well, it's because the dog doesn't know what's right and wrong. The dog just knows of constant associations. So your dog doesn't know when he's done the wrong behavior. He's just learned that if a chewed up shoe is in the same room as when you are yelling at him, he's going to learn that a chew up, chewed up shoe and you in the same room is a negative. Not that chewing the shoe is wrong, but you and the chewing up of the shoe in the same room is what's bad for him. So what's he going to do? He's going to take that chewed up shoe and he's going to hide it. He's going to take it into the yard. Um, he's going to do something to where it's not in the same room with you so he can keep himself safe. So please... If you're coming home and your dog is cowering, then you need to ask yourself why. Don't automatically assume that your dog has done something wrong and he knows it. Dog does not know. They don't think like that. Okay, so please stop punishing your dogs for things that may and more than likely is your fault. Okay, if your dog is chewing up shoes, then the dog should not have access to shoes when you're not home. The dog needs to be in a crate or confined to a room. So that's a big one that, that dogs don't know when they've done wrong. Okay, please, 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 please stop punishing your dog for things like that. Okay, um, so that is kind of some of the, the main kind of myths that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, I didn't go into big details with a lot of it, but the bottom line is that positive training is really the best route to go. We all want to be taught using positive methods. Uh, again, consequences are a part of learning, but they should never be scary. They should never be harsh. They should never physically or emotionally harm the dog. And I can tell you that the majority of aversive techniques are emotionally harming to the dog. Think about that. Somebody can yell at you, and that hurts, right? They can say words, and that hurts deep. Maybe somebody, um, you know, spanks you. Okay, let's look at, like, children, Spanking, I got spanked a lot growing up, um, but spanking is one of those things that, yeah, it hurts, and I did not like it, but it did not damage me, okay? Emotionally, though, being yelled at, um, not knowing uh, what mood someone was in, not knowing if I'd done anything wrong because I wasn't real sure, uh, that is scarring, that is an emotional scar that can move throughout your life. Um, I'm not sitting. I'm not saying that you should spank your kids, and I'm not saying that physical is is okay. I'm just helping, wanting you to understand that there is a difference. Um, that emotional is so much more. And if you ask anybody who has gone through an abusive relationship, physical abuse sucks. Emotional abuse is absolutely debilitating. And, you know, this can happen to dogs. They don't understand things as clearly as we do. Uh, they can't reason as well, if at all. Uh, so we need to be very careful with our dogs. And we need to make sure that we are not causing that. Um, and we're not using aversive techniques in that way. So that's just kind of where I wanted to go with this one this week. Because I really, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm getting a lot of clients that have gone to prior trainers who have encouraged them to use aversive techniques that have, 
encourage them to be dominant and alpha and that they have to show who's boss or that they have to use a shock collar because, you know, this dog is so strong. I can tell you that using positive techniques, I don't care if the dog is two pounds or 120 pounds, uh, teaching using positive techniques is the same. You don't have to use aversive techniques based on the size of the dog. Uh, most of the time it's more based on your ego and that is something that should not be involved in dog training. Egos and dog training do not go hand in hand. It's about relationship. It's about trust. It's about clear communication. And I encourage you to uh, find a positive trainer in your area that can help you with that. Uh, and of course, if you need more information, check out our Patreon page, Become a Dog Speak Geek in Training, um, or Become a Dog Speak Geek or VIP. We would love to have you as a Patreon member. Uh, we do appreciate you guys and hope that you are sharing our podcast and maybe you know some people that are still using aversive techniques with their dogs because they're big dogs and oh you have to show them who's boss no you don't and that's that's the bottom line on that uh, let's stop being bullies people let's let's stop bullying our dogs right we get grumpy when our dogs are bullying other dogs well we've got to stop being bullies ourselves and that is more than just in the dog training world that is in general let's stop being bullies and let's start being nice uh, to our dogs all right guys i appreciate you i love you i hope you have a wonderful rest of the week <laughs>